Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to, to gather together to worship you. Father, we pray that the message that goes out will not return void, Father, but it will accomplish what it was sent to do. And we pray that everything done and said will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. All right, so my first joke got censored. If you want to hear it, it's not that bad, but I'll tell it to you after church. Second joke, it probably would have got censored, but I didn't run it by anybody because I'm running out of options. So, so this Catholic priest had, a, had an emergency, and he had to go out of town for a period of time, but he did not want to shut down his confessional. So he called us, the Jewish rabbi from across town and said, hey, man, I need a favor. Can you please come run my confessional? And the rabbi said, I have no idea how that works. He said, it's okay. It's easy. I'll, I'll, I'll help you. Come sit with me for a day, and I'll show you. So the rabbi came and sat with him, and the first lady came in and said, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And the, the priest said, okay, what did you do? And he said, well, I committed adultery. And he said, how many times? And she said, three times. He said, go and do two Hail Marys and put $5 in the offering plate and you're forgiven. The rabbi said, okay, that's not too bad. So next guy comes in, says, forgive me, Father, I've sinned. He said, okay, what did you do? He said, I committed adultery. He said, how many times? He said, three times. He said, okay, um, say two Hail Marys and put $5 in the offering and you're forgiven. So the rabbi said, yeah, I got this, no problem. So the next day the rabbi's there by himself. He sits down in the booth. lady comes in, says, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. He said, okay, what did you do? He said, she said, I committed adultery. Said, how many times? Said, one time. Rabbi thought for a second and said, you need to go and do it two more times. We're having a three for five deal this week. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it probably would have gotten, but it didn't. So it's okay. <clears throat> um, what we're going to talk about today is something pretty, uh, uh, it's, it's both basic and deep at the same time. If you look at it, uh, what we're going to talk about is the kingdom of God. Because Listen, when, when, when the first time that it was mentioned that the kingdom of God had arrived, it was near, it was getting ready to happen, it was a, it was a different kind of um, idea. Because those people lived in the time of kings, real kings, right? Kings, earthly kings. I mean, King David and King Solomon and then King Herod and King, I mean, they had kings, right? So when they heard the word, it's the kingdom of, they were expecting Jesus to show up and sit on a throne and and have a scepter and a crown or whatever those, I mean, that's what it looked like in like Robin Hood. I always think about Prince John with his crown on top of his head. You know what I'm talking about, right? The cartoon? Yeah, not the real version. Yeah, that guy. So they were expecting a king of kings, a, 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 a valiant warrior, a, a, a somebody that's going to come in and take over the world. And that's not really how it happened. So the, so the first time, if you will, um, and man, I'll tell you, we're going to stay in the book of Matthew like a bunch. But the book of the gospel according to Matthew, uh, chapter 3, um, in verse 1, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and was saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, you've got to think that come near to where? I mean, where is it? I mean, you should be able to see a kingdom, right? I mean, there should be like a a moat and a castle and some stuff. I mean, you should be able to see a kingdom. But John was preaching this gospel, right? John the Baptist was preaching this gospel to repent because the kingdom of God was near. It was fixing to happen. It's getting ready to. It's almost. It's right around the corner. And all of the people went to listen to John and were trying to figure out where is this king? And who is he? And where did he come from? And where is his lands? And where is his money and his subjects and his stuff? 
But see, the kingdom of heaven is a different kind of kingdom. Right? Obviously, uh, John was talking about the kingdom of heaven is near as Jesus was getting ready to show up. So if you'll flip the page, well, in the page of my Bible, um, the chapter 4, um, so right, right after John says this in chapter 3, let me just, we'll, we'll go the whole story. Right after John says this in chapter 3, Jesus shows up, Jesus comes to the river, he asks John to baptize him, John says, no, you should baptize me, and he says, no, I really want to be righteous, I want to be baptized the way I'm supposed to be baptized, and so Jesus is baptized in the river, and then the, the booming voice from heaven says, this is my son who I love and I am well pleased, right, all that stuff is taking place. Immediately as soon as that happens, Jesus is taken into the wilderness and tempted by the devil. We know that story, right? And he, Jesus has answered him with scripture over and over and over. But if you get to chapter 4, verse 12, Jesus began his ministry. He began to actually show up and show people who he really was. And so John had been arrested and all of this stuff had taken place. Verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near, not is near, has come near. Like, like it's here. It, it, it's, it's here. The, 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 the kingdom of heaven is here. And when he tried to explain the kingdom of heaven, right, he used all kinds of parables. In fact, one of the parables, maybe two of the parables we're going to talk about in a minute. But he used all kinds of parables to try to explain what the kingdom of heaven was like, right? I mean, if you read the gospel according to Matthew... There's a bunch of parables that says, and the kingdom of heaven is like, and you can read the parable. It's a, a seed that you plant that's a little mustard seed that's smaller than all the seeds, but when it grows, it's bigger than all of the other plants, and the birds are roosting its branches, right? I mean, that's one of the parables. And he tried, he, but he was trying to explain that the game was getting ready to change, right? So the old covenant had been in place since Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, right? The old covenant, when God started getting that covenant, the blood covenant with Abraham, right? With, through circumcision, that old covenant was getting ready to come to an end. That era was almost over. The new era was getting ready to start. The old kingdom was getting ready to end. The new kingdom was getting ready to start. But they didn't understand how they still were looking at it or trying to look at it in their minds of, that this is a king and it's a guy and he's going to show up and he's going to be a great conqueror. He's going to take over the world. And that's absolutely not it, right? So as time progressed in Jesus' ministry, he talks about the kingdom a lot of times. Um, get my scripture straight. Uh, if you will, turn with me. To, uh, again, a couple pages over in my Bible. I don't know where it is in yours. <clears throat> Jesus talking about in Matthew 6. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life or what you eat or what you drink or about the body or what you will wear, right? We know the scripture, right? Everybody knows the scripture. Look at the birds of the air that did not sow, did not reap, did not put away in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. How much more valuable are they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life, right? All of this stuff happens, right? He, we, we read the scripture recently. Verse 33, but seek first. His kingdom and his righteousness and all the rest will be given into you. So he's trying to tell them that the new, when the new kingdom is established, right? When the new kingdom, because he didn't say the new kingdom, it, it hadn't established yet, right? The old covenant is still in effect. 
Everybody agree? Up until Jesus dies on the cross, the old covenant is still in effect. The, the covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is in full effect up until Jesus dies on the cross. In fact, when he says it is finished on the cross, it is literally the Old Testament has ended. The agreement between the blood covenant between God and Abraham was ended when he says it is finished. Why? Because now the blood of the new sacrifice has been made, right? And the new kingdom has established, right? So... How many people could be saved before Jesus died on the cross and went to hell? None. None of the people that we hear about in the New Testament, up until the death and resurrection of Christ, none of those people are saved. The disciples, are, I mean, right? I mean, they're not. They can't be. The only way I could be saved is to believe in that he died, and he paid my penalty and your penalty, and he went to hell, and he was raised from the dead. That's how you become saved, right? Oh. Faith, right? So, so not even in, are those folks Christians. So the old covenant, when it ends, the old kingdom ends. When the new kingdom starts, nobody really understands how this works, right? Because they have, I mean, we've got to think about the limited amount of education and knowledge and teaching that they have. They don't have any idea. I mean, you know, compared to what we know now, they knew nothing. They knew nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, they didn't even know what continent they were on or what country. I mean, they knew what country they were in, but he didn't know what continent they were on or how big, how many oceans there were or where all this was or if we were on a round ball or none of that stuff. They didn't get all of that. They didn't know any of that. So when they are looking at kingdom, they are really looking at kingdom. King, guy, guards and, and gates and stuff. But Jesus was trying to, every time he gave them a new parable, he kept explaining to them that the new kingdom is different. This kingdom is different. The kingdom of God is different. Well, I'm going to tell you, not only is the kingdom of God different from the existing kingdoms, the kingdom of God has a different mentality than other kingdoms. In other kingdoms, you are subject to a ruler, right? And he rules over you. There's a, some kind of you know, hierarchy of, of, of chiefs and chieftains and whoever, but there is, it's a ruler, right? And you, you don't get to say, I want to be part of your kingdom. You have to go before the king and, you know, try to become a citizen and, 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 and go through the whole process. I mean, even here, right? Supposedly, you're supposed to go through some kind of process to be part of the kingdom. But Jesus's kingdom was different. It was different. Um... Matthew again, chapter 8. Um, in verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, there was a centurion that came to him and asked him for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself or as a man under authority. And with soldiers under me, I tell this one to go, and he goes, and that one to come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said the following to him. Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Here, here is where it's, this is important. I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. 
But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Just because that you were a blood-born Jew under the kingdom when Jesus got there. That did not make you a subject of the kingdom. Now, I'm not throwing the Jewish people under the bus. Jesus did. He said that there will be people in the kingdom thrown outside into the darkness, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Another parable he uses, he talks about a farmer who went and planted a field. He planted a field of wheat. And his enemy came in at night and planted weeds, basically. And they said, what are we going to do? You, you sow good seed, and the wheat has come up, but the weeds have also come up, and they're in the, in the wheat. And this is one of the parables that started, the kingdom of heaven is also life. And he said, if we pull up the weeds, we're going to pull up the wheat. And he said, no, 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 no. Don't pull up anything. Let it all grow and mature. And when it's time for judgment or harvest, we will come in and weed out the weeds first and burn them. And then we will take the good grain. So when the kingdom of God, this is where it gets difficult. There are lots of folks who say we are part of the kingdom of God, right? We do this and we do that and we do this. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty, unless you receive Jesus as your personal savior and you have a relationship with him, it's going to be part of that same idea that there's a bundle of weeds and a bundle of wheat. Now, a lot of folks teach, a lot of folks teach that the weeds are the people who are in the church and are sinners and that I don't believe that in the least little bit. The weeds are the people who are playing church, who don't really, really believe, who, who aren't really part of the church, who are other religions, who are other pieces, who <coughs> pretend to be a part of God's kingdom. But Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. There's no one through the Father except through me. I, I didn't say it. He said it. And so to be part of the kingdom, it's through Jesus and Jesus only. So instead of Jesus' kingdom... Being a castle, Jesus' kingdom is, he's really the door. He's really the door that allows you into the kingdom. He's not the castle or the ruler over the kingdom. Now, he's the king of kings and lord of lords, but he's the door. He said so. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So this kingdom mentality of being part of the kingdom, it's only one way to get part of the kingdom. There's no... Substitution, there's no go around, there's no other answer, there's no renegotiation. There are two covenants. The old covenant ended on the cross when he said it is finished. The new covenant started when he was raised from the dead and he went and poured his blood out on the altar in the Holy of Holies in heaven. That's when the covenant started, right? Because it's a blood bought covenant. The same thing with Abraham that it's a blood bought covenant, right? I mean, that's how you get, I mean, you know, I'm. I mean, I ain't seen many of y'all like doing business deals, like cutting your hand and, and doing, that's, that's not what, I mean, that's not, Philip was telling me about some guy lately that was like spitting his hand and shook the guy's hand and that meant that that was his word. I don't know, that's kind of weird too. I don't do business with people who spit in their hand. That's kind of, kind of weird. But the blood bought covenant had to be from 
It had to come from somebody who was perfect and blameless and without blemish and without sin. And it came from Jesus. And when that kingdom was established, he was the cornerstone that it was established on because his blood bought the covenant. And so when the kingdom of God was established, it was established on his blood. Now, here's the thing. What I have a hard time with is with folks that say, yeah, you got to be saved, but you also got to do this, 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 and this, and this, and that, and this, and that to go to heaven. And that's not what the Bible says. It's adding to the requirements. See, that's why people don't, that's why the religious people of the world don't like Christians. Right? The Buddhists can be okay with the Hindus and then all of the other people, and they're okay. Because each one of the religions of the world, right? If you look at the religions of the world outside of Christianity, they have rituals that you have to do and things that you have to accomplish and things that you have to wear and things that you have to do. Every one of them. They have stipulations of things that you have to do to be part of that re religion, to that kingdom, to that part. In Christianity, all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and believe that he died for our sins and went to hell and paid our penalty and confess him with your mouth. That's what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. And that's it. Now, once we're saved, yes, we want to grow and be better Christians. We want to be part of a positive impact on the kingdom, right? I don't want to be leaned up in the door. Well, I made it. Just to hear, not no further, just to hear. I mean, right, we talk about advancing the kingdom, right, and taking the gospel. In the, and when we talk about advancing the kingdom, we're talking about taking Jesus to other people, right? There's nothing I can do for you in the kingdom of God except to tell you about Jesus. That, 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 that's it. There is no, well, I know a secret that you don't know. It's Jesus. And it's only Jesus. And it comes down to the root of all of it, and it is Jesus. And anybody that preaches anything different than somehow your appearance or behavior or something else gathers you or gains you something different, absolutely wrong. The kingdom of God is established on Jesus and Jesus' covenant and Jesus' covenant is only it, period. And everybody who has had a positive impact on the kingdom takes that knowledge to other folks, right? To different folks. Um, Matthew, huh, how about that? I told you we would stay in the book of Matthew. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 22. And this is one of those parables we've been talking about. I've been, we, I, I've been talking about, y'all haven't talked a whole bunch. Jesus spoke to them again in a parable saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. And he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. And he sent more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off one to his field and another to his business. And the rest seized the servants and mistreated them and killed them. And the king was enraged. Uh, verse 8, then he sent his servants to the wedding banquet is ready. But those who invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. See, us heathens, right? Us heathens, we do anyone you can find. 
We weren't God's chosen people, right? I mean, the Jews were God's chosen people, and they rejected the Messiah because they had a misrepresentation of who he was going to look like and what king he was supposed to be. They expected some super critical, judgy, one of them. They expected one of them. One of them. They wanted a Pharisee or a Sadducee, some leader of the church, some person to tell you that you've been doing wrong, some great author authoritarian person to come in and take over. And that's not what he was. He was a lamb. And they couldn't understand that. So when he sent them out to find anyone you can find, them, them's us. Uh, verse 10, so the service went out in the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. <laughs> That's us. We the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came, king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. And how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. And the king told the attendants to tie him hand and foot outside into the darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So when we get to the end of this, when, the, when judgment day comes, Jesus talks about that, that everything, everybody will be gathered. He'll separate the sheep and the goats. Y'all heard that story? We'll separate the sheep and the goats. This was a goat who had slipped into the wedding banquet. Right on in. What was he missing? He was missing Jesus, right? It, it, theoretically, right? I mean, this is before Jesus died. Jesus is still telling the story. But he was missing that. Inside, that inside sacrifice, that, that my heart was pierced, right? He was missing the relationship with God, that I believed in my heart and said with my mouth that, that I have that. There's another parable where Jesus is talking about ten bridesmaids, five with oil and five without oil. The oil, I, I, I've, I've done a unbelievable amount of study on that and I still don't understand that parable as well as I want to but the oil in a lots of folks accounts the oil represents the Holy Spirit that comes to you when you save that oil is, is, is significant of having Jesus on the inside of you so, that, so if, you, if you look at that parable in that, in that perspective there were five that were saved and five that were not saved and right about the time Jesus was going to come back the five that weren't saved had to go away and get something and the five that were saved were there and ready to go. Same with this, that everybody inside of the wedding was saved except for that one guy who was, well, I come to church and I did this and I did that. And, and you know, I, I lived a good life and I was nice to people. It didn't say anything about that. I mean, it says we're supposed to, you know, be nice and come to church, you know, right? That's what we're supposed to do. But that didn't say that's how you get to heaven. I, could, I am very concerned over the Christian body. But what we see, how many of those people really aren't saved? Not really aren't saved because they didn't do it right or really aren't saved because they sinned. I'm talking about because they really haven't sat down and had the relationship to enter into the kingdom of God. That idea that, well, I'm a good person and I was nice or she was a nice person so she's going to heaven. That is not the truth. Even this guy was inside of the wedding banquet and walked up and the king said, where are your wedding clothes? Where is your Jesus? Now, it says when we're talking about the people who went inside, they were bad and good, right? It said it went to the street corners and they were bad and good. It didn't say if you were bad, you couldn't come in. Or if you were good, you could come in. 
He was missing a part of the equation. Because, like I said, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when it's all over, when Jesus comes back and he separates the sheep from the goats, which, oh boy, I know I tell that story a couple times, right? About uh, uh, Some of y'all might not have heard it. It's funny. If you don't, just pretend like you laugh. It's okay. Granddaddy preached one time on the end of time when Jesus was coming back. And Mama had spent a lot of money on a nice Christmas tablecloth. And she was very upset that she had spent that amount of money on that Christmas tablecloth because Jesus was going to come back and she won't have an opportunity to use it. Right? Y'all can or not laugh. That's okay. But, but, but that, <laughs> that's kind of the, where we are. I mean, we, we, you know, I don't know how close we were today when she bought the tablecloth, but we're closer today than we were last week. That's for sure. Things are starting to change. Things are starting to ramp up. I can see things happening that lead to me to believe that Jesus is coming back and sooner than ever. Obviously, sooner than ever. If it's tomorrow, it'll be one day closer. And I mean, it's inevitable. Every day we move forward, it's a day closer. And I don't know, and then Jesus said, it come like a thief in the night. No one knows the day or the hour, right? Except for the Father and who is assigned it. So it's not like some predetermined thing. Granted, used to have an old guy around town and said he didn't want to get saved yet because he wasn't done living his life. He needed to wait until later on in life to get saved. But if he called for him, you better come. Well, let me just tell you, you don't have those kind of, um, you don't have that kind of luxury. You don't have that kind of luxury to depend on some, hopefully, maybe I have time to one day get Jesus in my heart. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. And I don't know why. But this is the message God gave me. But to know that you have Jesus in your heart is or should be our number one concern. Number one, that seek ye first the kingdom of God. You can't seek God's kingdom without Jesus. No, you can't do anything. With that silly joke on the internet, right? You need to talk to Jesus about that. And he said, bro, I need Jesus to go to Walmart. I need Jesus to go everywhere. He should be center point of what we have going on. Like you go... You know, like, you can't wait to talk about it. You, you, you can't not think about it. I mean, it, it's got to be, look, if, if your salvation is so deep down in your subconscious that it don't come up a bunch, you need to readjust yourself. Right? Romans 12 says that we need to renew our minds. Right? We need to start thinking about it. I mean, you need to think about it. How important is it? How important is the decision to accept Jesus as your personal Savior? Because how horrible would it be that if you made it into the wedding banquet and the trumpets have blown and there it is and the sheep and the goats is all standing together and he says, I need you to go over there because you don't belong with us. Now, I can't think of a worse word to be heard. There's not. There's not anything worse that you could ever tell somebody is, is depart from me because I know you not. <laughs> There's nothing else that could be worse than that. There isn't. Well, that's not true. What's coming after that is worse than that. That is absolutely true. But the beginning of the end is going to start with depart from me because I do not know you. So we can't play church. We can't act church. We can't, well, I go to church when I need to. It, 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 you have to have a personal relationship with God on the inside of you. Or you're wasting your time pressing your flesh in that pew. 
or watching it on TV or anything else. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you could be like this dude with no wedding clothes on, and they're going to come tap you on the shoulder and go, so I'm sorry, sir, you don't belong here. You, you don't, this, ain't, this ain't for you. The kingdom of God is not yours. Now, if you do accept Jesus as your personal Savior, you are not only invited into the wedding banquet, you have on the wedding clothes, you have the oil for your lamp, you also are a joint heir with Christ. Right? So the, the, it's that membership has its privileges. Oh, man. Membership has its privileges. It's, I, can't, I can't wrap my head around knowing what it would feel like to go back and not be saved. I, 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 I struggle with the idea of how would you not accept Jesus? Jesus showed up for you to do this. Now, I heard a joke the other day. Really wasn't a joke, but it was a funny story. So this guy was in a barber shop, and the barber was um, fixing his hair and doing his beard and whatever, and the guy was witnessing to him. And the barber said, well, I don't really believe that there's a God. He said, what do you mean you don't believe there's a God? He said, it can't be a God with all of the people that are in such bad shape. How can there be a God that allows this? The guy said, okay, fair enough. So he gets done, he gets out, out of the chariot of the big city, he walks outside, and there's a homeless bum out there, and he's all scraggly and nasty beard and nasty hair, and he says, hey, buddy, come here for just a second. He grabs the guy by the hand and walks back in the door and says, I don't believe there are barbers. And the barber said, what do you mean? I'm a barber, I'm standing right here. He said, how could there be barbers and people walking around with hair that look like this and beard that look like this? He said, well, he's got to come to me. He said, oh, I'm sorry. Are you preaching my sermon? you got to go to him. He's not standing on the outside. He's waiting on you. If this guy's got nasty hair, how can you be a barber? Well, he's got to come to me. Oh, yeah, right. So the kingdom of God, it's ours. It's part of our inheritance. We, we, we are the kingdom of God. Right? We are parts of the kingdom of God. But our relationship is imperative. And not only that, we have to strive to be good commercials. To where not only are we enjoying the benefits of being a part of the kingdom of God, that we are doing our best to push the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth, to the corners of the globe. Why? Because I would hate to have somebody that was on my name that I didn't witness to, or I didn't do a good enough job showing them Jesus. And they were the reason, they got, I was the reason they got separated out. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you and praise you that you've given us this option, Father, to, to be part of your family, to be part of the kingdom. We thank you and praise you for our relationship with Jesus, and we just give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.